Hello again, friends. This is James. Welcome or welcome back to the Overview Effect with James Parent, the podcast where, you know what, it's not about changing your light bulb or using your keep cup. This is the podcast all about stepping back and having big picture conversations on environmentalism and humanity to allow us to gain a bigger perspective of our world. I'd like to start by acknowledging that this podcast was recorded on Arakwal country, part of Bunjalung Nation. I want to pay my respects to the traditional custodians of this land and in all First Nations people around Australia and the world. Now, my guest today, he's pretty hard to miss. He's got half a massive beard and he is a force of nature in the charitable fundraising world. He and his organization, Half Cut, have been campaigning hard to raise funds for the protection and regeneration of our native Australian rainforests. Now, I used to be a street fundraiser. I'd be out on the streets Monday to Friday, nine to five, hustling. I'd be trying to get people to stop to get their credit card details for environmental causes. And I can tell you, it is hard work. You face constant rejection. My guest today seems to have found that sweet spot. Apart from his endless energy, he's also found that sweet spot in making fundraising fun and aspirational. Motivated by the shocking fact that half of our world's rainforests have been cut down, his organization, Half Cut, encourages people to shave half their beard or braid half their hair or get creative in whatever way they want so that they can raise awareness and funds for our rainforests. And the thing I really love about this approach is that it's so open and collaborative. In a world where we are always faced with competing interests, I mean, just think about political parties or corporations, the half-cut crew are building alliances with businesses with other charities, and with Aboriginal custodians, all to protect our rainforests. This is a very wide-ranging conversation. We talk about all sorts of things, including the current situation with the world's and Australia's rainforests. We talk about the competitiveness of charities and how this plays into our existing capitalist paradigm. We talk about the growing divestment movement. This is a huge thing for me. That This is people switching from their existing banks and super funds and electricity retailers and, and way more in an effort to put their money where they would rather see it spent. And best of all, this guest, he just, he shares his own personal stories, including how as a young kid, he watched as his backyard was destroyed in the name of development for a highway and how that the impact that that had on him and how that motivated him to do good. He spoke about how he and his partner went exploring the world and seeing destruction of rainforests overseas and how that motivated them to want to do something here in Australia. And he also spoke about how they went through a traumatic personal incident and how that really they found purpose in a cause bigger than themselves. And that has really motivated them to continue doing what they're doing. 
look, this is an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful to have met this guy and had the opportunity to connect with him. And I just know that you'll love him too. So please enjoy this conversation with none other than Jimmy Halfcut. Should we do it? Let's rock and roll, mate. Let's do it. All right. Jimmy Halfcut. James. Welcome to the show. <laughs> mate, I always love meeting another James. I've got to say that up front. There are a lot of us. It's like wherever you go, there's always another James, usually. Uh, but they're generally very friendly guys. Yeah. James, Jimmy. Jim Bob. Know, Jim Bob, Jimbo. Jim. I get, we, we get all of them. Do you get any other weird ones? Uh, well, that's where Jimmy Halfcut came about. Yeah. Yep. I was like, oh, Jimmy, you've got... Yeah. You yeah. Know, just roll with it. There, there you go. <laughs> I used to get... Uh, well, my surname's Perrin, so I used to get Pez. Jim right. Or Jimmy Pez. I used to get that a lot at school. No one yep. calls me that anymore. It's a bit... Probably a bit teenage-ish, but I don't know. If anyone wants to bring back Pez, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for making some time and coming on the show, man. Uh, pleasure, mate. Happy to be here. It's awesome. Well, it's funny. I actually feel like we, I was kind of, I don't know what you believe in terms of like coincidences, but it was one of those situations where you popped up in very, on various radars of mine very quickly in terms of like you were on, I was just saying before we started recording, you're on a couple of podcasts that I listened to mm-hmm. um, with Simon and, and Mail. Um, and then I think I saw your campaign on Instagram and then I was chatting with de-tipping because yep, you know yep. we've we've um done work with rainforest for foundation and she was saying oh you should interview jimmy and then literally the right? next week yeah <laughs> literally the next week um someone from anova who we both also work with um introduced us via email so the mighty catherine it's a lot of incidences or coincidences but here we are that's it mate yeah now look it's uh honored mate it's uh thank you for what you're doing it's oh, great it's to be able to create platforms like this to communicate to good people mate it's awesome it's good to have you up here in byron too um so we'll kick in because i've got a few questions i want to ask you and i know you can talk (laughs) have a chat (laughs) um but i wanted to start with the same question which is what i always start with which is the premise of the show the inspiration of the show which is the overview effect so that's where i kind of drew inspiration from it's this experience that astronauts describe when they first go to space first look back on earth and they, they see Earth as a whole and they describe this profound sense of wonder and connection to our planet mm. and it kind of radically shapes their perspective for the rest of their lives. Have you had a moment or an experience that has really shaped your perspective on the world and the way you see the world? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously I haven't had that incredible luxury to go up and look down on this one beating planet we all call home, but... um. I think when I'm in diff- like certain ecosystems and places like the Tarkine or the Dane Tree, um, I mean, even just recently I was down here, went for a bit of a, a wander about, you know, mm. um, got down to the beach and was just there completely by myself. And, you know, I, I feel there's those little moments then when I'm doing that, you kind of, feel, well, for me personally, I think back to when it would have been traditional owners and what it would have been like. And yes. I just feel a really yes. sense of groundedness in a lot of these very unique places. Uh, so for me, I think that's where I probably... Um, sort of link it to to that sort of experience. So yeah. yeah, yeah, those threads of connection to nature. 
Yeah, yeah, and just getting grounded, mate. Like, you know, I know it always sounds a bit hippie doodah and all the rest of it, but, you know, like, you know, I actually really think if we allow ourselves to do that, where we really can connect back into, you know, well, acknowledgement of the country you're on as well um, and acknowledgement of yourself really as a being, being there mm. um, and just soaking up that energy. Yeah. And actually, I've got to say this. I stood on a freaking bee, <laughs> and it got me good because well, I'm a, just here. Yeah, yeah, when oh, I was, right. yeah, yeah. So I'm a beekeeper on there, just sucking it all in. All of a sudden, I was like, Jesus, what the bloody hell was that? And looked down, there was a bee. And I thought, well, you know, you haven't lived life if you haven't been stung by a bee. But I was just yeah. like, gosh, of all the places. Those are, little, those are little moments to you know, you're having this beautiful connection just to snap you back and remind <laughs> you, hang on, you know, you've still got work to do. Come back. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, that's life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You're in the now and then all of a sudden you're jumping around like a bloody <laughs> half lunatic with half a beard. I could only imagine what someone thought if they saw it. Who's that guy with half a beard hopping around on <laughs> <that> foot? <laughs> uh, yeah. Funny. So I, I've listened to a bit of your backstory as well. And so I, mm. I, I kind of have heard a little bit of it, but I'd love to just explore that a little bit more before we get to kind of your here and now with Half Cut. So um, can you tell me a bit about your background so am i right was it agricultural science yeah that you yeah. were studying and what kind of led you into that well actually i studied as a pe teacher first yep um sort of figured out being an act you know activist rat bag all my life wasn't really going to pay the bills and people aren't you know <laughs> it's can get a bit of a lonely road sometimes so you, so you were an activist before you started studying yeah yeah absolutely so right. okay yeah doing my bit locally Yes. Um, trying to, you know, stop irresponsible development and, you know, trips down to the Tarkine on the upper Florentine in Tassie and Laird State Forest and all the rest of it. So, yeah, I was bouncing around, but um, while I was teaching. Mm. So, as you know, you can't have a criminal record teaching. So, yeah. I've been lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, but look, you know, it was another passion of mine. Um, you know, it was health and development and spirituality and, you know, mm. um, cognitive and all the rest of it so it was like a holistic approach and yeah so uh i thought okay well there's not much jobs in pe so let's mm-hmm. retrain and do some work in ag science so that's what i did and loved it um but it's like anything mate it's like it's like any system you know it's got its uh positives and negatives and i'm a bit of that you know disruptor i like to break the systems and you know raise the bar and make things a bit better mm. so yeah it was um that's where I started, but obviously uh, having half a beard for beyond a year and longer was never going to be yes <laughs> a good thing within a department. So I mean, you know, and so that maybe they would have accepted it. Yeah, yeah. But I just kind of felt uh, no, it was a calling to move on. Right. Okay. So you you had a you had a few things going in parallel here. So you were kind of you had the the environmental kind of activist background, or at least that purpose driven background, mm. um, which you were kind of doing various campaigns. You would also had experience with the te- uh, with teaching and at the same time kind of looking to study ag science but then and and I know that you've traveled the world or Australia and the world mm. focusing on conservation projects as well what kind of how did those things come to a head and how did you end up being Jimmy Halfcut <laughs> yeah good question <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that one out um no look I think mate I cut my teeth pretty young in the activist world Um, so as an eight year old boy, I watched my bushland being destroyed. Mm. So that's the M2. So down in Sydney, uh, that took out an estimated guess, 388,000 trees. 
And wow. my mother was a lead community organizer before that was even a word or a name. Wow. But it was incredible because we'd have the, the, our house full of people of the community just as concerned and traditional owners and tree sitters and all the activists. So I cut my teeth really young. Oh, I loved wow. it. Yeah. yeah, so Uncle Ray from Western Australia, I'll never forget, um, yes. gave me the totem kookaburra, <laughs> which I thought was perfect. <laughs> yes, Just, you know, always having a chat or having a laugh. So there was just so much incredible energy that I was absorbing as a young boy, but also quite shocking energy like, you know, police rocking up and the aggression and the violence and cars being vandalized. One even set on fire. Oh, wow. We're talking 1992, you know. You know, yeah. it's all, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, community very divided, pro the road, against the road. Anyway, I guess a long story short is, you know, we lost that. But I think it definitely left a chemical reaction or a change in my body physically and mentally because I just didn't quite understand. I didn't quite understand why I was watching, you know, so much pain and anger and frustration for trying to protect something so beautiful. Like watching four or 500-year-old Sydney blue gums that are endemic and an endangered species. You know, like they're like, if they were cathedrals in Europe, that'd be protected, right? Because it's a tree. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, 15 of these incredible... Like, there's just no other word for it. For me, it was like a cathedral looking up at these things. You know, the day my brother, who was a four-year-old little boy, sitting underneath one of these trees, the day that was taken, it was in the City Morning Herald, I think it was page two. The very next day, they were all cut down or bulldozed over by caterpillar bulldozers. So I think for me, mate, just watching that, just not really quite understanding like what is going on here and the vastness of it and the expansion of it and the damage like and seeing possums and powerful owls like dead. Um, yeah, mate, something went off in my head. Eh? I was like a little – and that's where I was saying my ratbag activism <laughs> kicked off because <laughs> naturally I was angry and I think a lot of – everyone can relate to seeing a tree being cut down or their bushland being destroyed for development or roads and just feeling that real pain of injustice – and sure, a lot of us turn a blind eye and walk away. But for me, I kind of, I guess, followed my mother's lead <laughs> yeah. and uh, thought, no, we, we, they need a voice. We need to be that voice for them. So, yeah, so that led to then um, kind of being aware of just how full on, you know, this deforestation and the removal of trees was and uh, studied and then um, went off to South America to do nine months worth of travel and end up doing a bunch of conservation work in the Amazon Basin in Bolivia where uh, with an incredible conservationist, Rosa Marie Rootsy uh, from Medidi Travel and she mapped out Medidi National Park at the time, was probably one of the most biodiverse national parks on earth. Incredible woman, you know you're doing it right and this is where, you know, you know you're doing something really good when you've had attempted assassination by the Boliviano, Boliviano government three times. So this is how incredible she was. And spent a bunch of time with her and that's where I was watching her buyback and what she was trying to do and educate her neighbours to say, well, look what I'm doing. I'm bringing gringos over here who want to see all these incredible species, pumas, jaguars, you know, um, sloths, you know, list goes on, obviously. Follow my lead. Don't allow the properties to be cut down or logged, you know, for the West. You know, so I was really, I, I was very fortunate, but I seeked her out. I was trying to find her. And fine, because I didn't want to do cowboy tourism and watching inappropriate stuff happen there. Like, I wanted to know that my money was going towards something long-term and positive. So, after watching that, I went, okay, there's there's legs in this to support traditional owners, the rightful owners of the land, and to give them ecotourism. So, that's where I grew a big beard. Long story short, I grew a big beard. And everyone was going, oh, mate, what's your beard for about? And that's when my better half, 
my co-founder and partner Jessica Clark went, oh, it's for conservation. And then that's where we started our whole charity. Yep. 2011 in the Amazon Basin in Bolivia. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and then, as you know, it's, it's, so it's nearly been a decade to get to where we're at now, but evolving and changing and finding the best tree branches that yeah. allowed everyone to feel connected. It's funny how it's funny hearing that because when you when you first started it wasn't half cut was it it was beards on beards on and yeah. it was about growing beards beard, yeah. conservation right in some ways kind of like similar to Movember I guess right spot on um, and it's funny how for someone like me I just said like in the past few months you've popped up on my radar everywhere and it's like oh who's this guy. It's almost like you popped up out of nowhere, like an overnight kind of thing. But then to hear it's like, no, it's been 10 years of work to get to this point. Totally. And look, I think that's the thing. It's like, you know, for better or worse, saying Rome wasn't built in a day. It's the same with this. It's been, uh, I think I call it evolving. I've always seen we've been a seedling. We've grown into a sapling now. And I kind of feel we're like a, you know, maybe a a three-year-old mature rainforest tree. That's how I kind of feel at the moment with how we're evolving and, it's like anything, you learn along the way. So, yeah, so it was beards on and then we did braids on, <laughs> beards on, braids on for conservation because we were just missing, of course, such a huge, the other half of the population um, and those less hairy. It was pretty male dominant, which is not what we ever wanted it to be. Yeah. Uh, we just thought, well, it's a conversation starter. And, and it actually, in all honesty, I think where it really cut loose <laughs> was um, I think when I found out that in 2016, half the Great Barrier Reef was declared dead. Uh, and then 2016-17, it was half the world's forests were dead and our plant species were extinct. And I was just gobsmacked, to be honest, mate. I was like, what the flip are we doing? Like, yeah. come on, like, are we just going to keep on turning a blind eye to this and allow this level of destruction to continue? And so, if anything, I was furious. I was flipping furious. Yeah. And I think over it and seeing, like, you know, and, um, went, all right, well, bugger it. I'm going to go half cut. I'm going to cut my beard in half and be a visual disruption and just see what flies with it and how it rolls. But if anything, my I actually thought I was going to get a lot more kickback and flack. If anything, I got curiosity. I got people going, what are you playing at, mate? You lose a bet. Like, oh my God, I forgot $2.50 for every time someone said that. We would have raised a fortune by now, right? Yes. Um, but number one, hands down. But then when you got chatting to them, they're like, oh, mate, I that's appalling. I had no idea. Mm. And that was, just, that was across the board from everyone. So it made me then go, okay, well, there is clearly a disconnect with education and communication about what is going on. And of course it is. I mean, mm. no billionaire should own our media. Yep. We see that right now. We've just seen the big fight about all of that, right? Um, so, yeah, with, with um, Rupert Murdoch and um, Mark Zuckerberg or Zuckerberg, sorry. Yeah. And, you know, it's for me, I just kind of thought, well, this is my place to create a bit of a nice positive change and have other people come along as well. Mm. So, I mean, look, I never thought like we, we put it out. I said, if we raise $100,000, I'll go half cut for a year. So, this is me and my better half, Jess. And nearly, you know, $485,000 later. Wow. <laughs> so, this is the I'm, so I've, made, I've looked like this now for four years. Yes. Come, sorry. Yeah. Three and a half years. Yeah. Uh, and I've got to wear it for another three years. So, you, you, you had been growing this beard and really pushing for beards on and like making that kind of your identity and then people are just like yes he's gonna cut it (laughs) i'm gonna donate there you go but you found that sweet spot between 
um, and also built on all that previous momentum and work that you had done around advocating for the cause and building up profile and building up momentum with your campaigns. And then mm. this just seemed to be a bit of a, a catalyst to take it to that next level. Exactly. And not only that, it just allowed people to represent themselves as what half cut meant to them. Mm. So the women and kids, it was just brilliant because they were braiding or half makeup or half clothes, like different clothes styles. Um, we had one woman eat half a tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream for 31 days of August and spelt the word out half cut. It was that's genius. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, you, like, it's, and you, we start getting this stuff and you just, you know, it's like content-driven marketing or whatever yeah. they call it, right? I don't, I don't even know what the word is, but apparently it's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just like, well, yeah, it's individuals making their own impact and making their assumption of half cut. Mm. Awesome. Loved it. It's, yeah. been, it's just been really lovely to watch it develop into where it is now yeah yeah and it's it's got it's got that clear connection to the message as well or the cause the half gut half the rainforest half the barrier reef etc and just so i guess any listeners who maybe are first learning about half cut so what exactly does half cut do what's the mechanism it's a a fundraising campaign but it doesn't just end there right totally i mean so you mentioned movember before and i even relate to the world's greatest shave i kind of looked at two incredible models raised a lot of money <laughs> mm. and thought hey let's do that for the environment mm-hmm. like I'm, you research about traditional owners and people and you know again hair is so important and it helped them with you know tracking and navigating and you know little elements of wind and all kinds of incredible things mm. really worth researching if you're interested and for me i kind of feel well yeah you know our indigenous populations have had it atrociously and you know like appalling what's happened and Absolutely, for me personally, and I, I feel like they have been half, well, even probably more than half cut. I, I shouldn't speak on those terms, you know, uh, but for me, coming back to the forest and all the rest of it, it was just a, a real way to engage people quickly and to sort of be like, well, this is where we're at and we just can't keep going down this path. I mean, we know we're living in the live climate crisis right now, mm. um, you know, one of the greatest solutions is and the cheapest assets is rainforests for so many reasons you know hence the name rain forests rain 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 forest yeah. forest right you know we're the second driest continent on earth and we've just seen what's happened with the drought horrendous fires sorry i should say ongoing drought in a lot of areas um the fires then the pandemic and it, it, for me, it, it's heartbreaking to know that if we're just talking about rainforests, we're, we're at less than 4% left globally wow. from once 14%, right? So wow. we're actually more than half cut. But we just thought, well, we can't really have a sideburn. That yeah. won't really work. <laughs> um, so let's let's integrate it all and say, well, look, rainforest is what we're going to put our hands up for right now, but it doesn't mean we stop there. Mm. We can go to the Great Barrier Reef. We can talk about mangroves. We can talk about grasslands. We can. It's endless, the ecosystems we can engage in because a lot of them are at that half and beyond. Like, there's lots of halves at the moment. <laughs> you know, it's like flip a coin. Are we going to beat this climate crisis? Heads or tails? <laughs> but um, yeah, so the, I think going back to what we do is we, 2019 is where we help support another American organization to buy back 6 million acres of Amazon per- Peruvian rainforest. Um, you know, we contributed two hundred forty-five thousand dollars, which was matched dollar for dollar, uh, which ended up being one hundred eighty-five thousand acres, which was protected under native title for two hundred twenty indigenous groups. 
Yeah, so it was pretty pretty awesome. But again, you know, like always and everything, it's it's hard to report and get you know how are things going. And then we've had the pandemic, and so we kind of uh, had been doing work with other not for profits um, prior to that here in Australia, and we were just raising funds and giving it to them, right? hundred uh, percent of the proceeds, all as volunteers. We thought, no, no, we don't. We're just doing our thing, right? And so we'd been doing work in the Daintree and the Atherton Tablelands, far north Queensland, and yeah, we kind of went, you know what, let's let's really hone back in on the Daintree, like world's oldest rainforest. Two thirds of it were irresponsibly relinquished for development, um, and we kind of went. So that was like one thousand one hundred hectares. So we're like, hey, well, let's go back to the Dane tree because we know we can see it. We can get our feet on the ground, our hands on the ground. We can get supporters there to be part of it. So that's where we're at now where we buy back these properties. Uh, we just, mate, as of yesterday, giddy up. Yes. We just saved lot 157. Nice. So that was with, well our, yeah, so that was with the Alliance, which is Jabal Bena Yalanji Aboriginal Corporation, mm-hmm. uh, Rainforest 4 and Half Cut. So that was a four hundred and fourteen thousand dollar project. Wow! Six months it took us to get there, but um, hey, we did it. That's and so good. Yeah, so really awesome stuff, right? And I think that's what's so empowering about what we do is we find these properties, we do the ecological survey and evaluation, and ensure that it can be expanded onto the national parks. So we do the incredible fundraising. So it's just not us; it's all the other incredible people who are part of this who get it and have a calling to protect the Dane Tree. Um, you know, they're not even just protecting the danger, they're protecting the Great Barrier Reef. They coexist. Yeah. As you know, only humans, we put things in boxes and circles. You know, they're the only two world heritage areas on the world that are next to each other. Mm. You know, they coexist. The danger provides nutrients and the reef protects the danger. So, uh, I think just, yeah, so with, with what we're doing is we've now got a model now to go, well, this works. We've done seven properties and during a pandemic, absolutely smashed it. Mm. Oh, sorry, eight now after yesterday's property. And um, we're like, okay, well, let's roll out a big program to buy back the rest of the Dane Tree. Yes. So that's where we're at. Awesome. Yeah, so super excited with that. And then obviously it's the regen. So we're doing huge amounts of um, big big ambitions for tree planting. But yes. I'll chat about that. Yeah, yeah. well, no, what, what I was just going to say is that it's great that it's so you, ha- you don't just go, and you mentioned it before, you don't just go raise funds and give away the money here you go Mm. just write a check you guys are really involved in the education and awareness up front and the advocacy i mean i think you even go and do you do talks and other interviews and even talks in schools and things like that right so there's that education and awareness piece there's obviously the the fundraising campaign and people can get on board and join that and the fundraising element but then you're also actually hands on the ground supporting the strategic direction of where the funds are going and how that land is being managed as well. You're not just writing a check and totally like we are, as I mentioned that word alliance, like no one's above or below. We're all at tree shyness. So yes. this is the Jabal Bena Yalanji Aboriginal Corporation, Rainforest Four and Half Cut. We go, hey, we think this is a really good strategic property. Yep, we all go, yep, let's do this. This is awesome. It's going to be a great outcome. Um, and for instance, like this is this first example, we lot one five five, which is what we raised nearly four hundred thousand dollars for, so smashed our target. Uh, lot one five seven is right opposite it, yes. so it's going to be a meeting place for the eight other traditional owner clans to meet, yeah. Wow. So they can get on with Aboriginal traditional owner business, yeah. Um, so and I think all of this is what I really get a buzz out of is the properties we're purchasing, you know, will be managed by the Eastern Gugu Yalanjiji people or the Bama people, mm. and expanded into Daintree National Parks. So it's just something where it's like, my gosh, like we really are leaving a significant 
long-lasting impact here yep. uh, that everyone can go and see. Everyone can go and physically stand in that place if they've given $2.50, which saves one square meter of Gondwana land rainforest, or if they've given $50 or you know whatever, they can be, we were a part of this. And that's what I think is so lovely about it. And that's what I was talking about, the whole tree shyness. It's actually... I don't know if you've heard the, the, the or know of tree shyness where they develop a canopy, but they give each other just a bit of space. Yeah. No one's above, no one's below. It's just that incredible visual. And I always encourage people to Google and look at tree shyness because it, it's awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, that, I've actually got it out the front of my house. We've got two jacaranda <laughs> trees and one that was cut is on the council median strip and one that was cut down, but it grew back Yeah, and it grows up and then it takes a big elbow to get it out of the, you know, underneath the canopy, the established and one and then goes back up again. Uh, and it's amazing. And, yeah. you know, there's actually a book called The Biggest Estate on Earth, which um, which talks about the, the land management of this country before, you know, colonization. Um, and the author talks about how you can actually, or and especially Aboriginal people can read the landscape because mm. they can see how the trees have grown and they can mm. understand the history of how that tree got to be in that shape and in that position, position. based mm. on what was around it. So, yeah. it's fa- oh, that's a whole other rabbit hole. Oh, it's absolutely. Yeah. But it's, uh, I think it's just where we're at is it's like how many other more incredible trees are out there where mm. we can all engage in tree shyness. And I think that's what we like most about our model is we're all about collaboration and we're not about going, no, no, you can't be involved with this. It's like we have a very short time mm. to do this job and do it quickly and effectively and we've got a monetary value to it now. Yep. It's $40 million around, just to say that, to buy back the rest of the Dane tree. Sounds like a lot of money, and it is. But it's a drop in the ocean to what what's going out there. And we talked about money. You know, money is you know <laughs> dirty. There's no such thing as clean money, right? It doesn't matter what we're doing, or you know, it's it's all got a footprint. But for something that is Gondwana, 180 million years old, in my eyes, it's priceless. Yeah. And it, it for me, it it, it kind of uh, it shocks me. It's two dollars fifty, right? Like it's like a half. Uh, half the price of a bad coffee <laughs> yes but you know it's um at least it's tangible and that's the thing i yep. think that gives you know our supporters that ability to want to be part of this is that it is tangible and we can drive an outcome at the end of it totally so yeah they yeah. can see that end-to-end process of it's not just oh okay half the rainforest are cut down here's some money don't know where it's going they can totally. actually see exactly what the campaign is your progress towards it and go physically visit it if yep. they want yep that's, I think that's a really incredible part of it. And I know that that's your big focus at the moment is the danger. I know you have a few other focus areas, yeah. but what's one question I wanted to ask you is, say you, say you do raise that 40 million, you buy back all those properties in the Daintree, what other areas do you want to focus on? Yeah, well, I think like, as I mentioned before, like, you know, our mangroves, huge carbon absorbers and our grasslands, and there's just so much still to be, there's so much work to be done. Like there's so yeah. much work, yeah. you know, for, for me, like you kind of go, okay, just keep on the positive side of things because if you go down those rabbit holes, like there's lots of them, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes hard to get yourself back out again. Um, but yeah, so obviously with the Daintree, we want to use this as a blueprint to say, well, hey, look what we did. We, this was a, you know, an alliance-led campaign at, at the front of it, you know, with tree shyness and standing as allies uh, with traditional owners and an Aboriginal corporation, um, why don't we share this model with the rest of Australia Mm. uh, for what they need to work on with their ecosystems and uh, regenerative processes because we've shown how we did it. 
we didn't come in and say, oh, hey, we're going to do this for you and we want this in return. We just said, hey, look, we're actually kind of good at fundraising or we think we are. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we want to help. We want to do this. So can we buy this, these properties and can we gift them to you for the traditional owners to manage and to potentially expand to international parks? So I think uh, like any relationship, it's that trust. Yeah. You don't develop that trust and you don't you know, show your fair income. Yeah, and you know, willing to just completely step back and sit back and just listen and absorb. Well, uh, and that's the thing. I think naturally, like we all get excited, right? I mean, I know I do. I'm a shocker for it. <laughs> um, but there's just those moments where it's like that trust and understanding of what they've gone through and the healing process that we're now part of with healing of culture and healing of land. I think that's something uh, personally for me. Very, uh, I have a lot of joy in knowing that we're part of that. Um, yeah. healing and well it's a beautiful example as well of um, you know I had this talk with Richard Jones former New South Wales politician the other day and he was we we're talking about competition versus collaboration mm. and he, we were talking in a political lens how political parties seem to just oppose one another for the sake of being opposite to one another mm. um, and you see that play out in the corporate world as well and even in the charitable world sometimes where we're doing this cause no we're doing this cause some charities even ask to be exclusive to certain you know and yep. and it's but but when you actually that, that's the kind of that win-lose mentality but when you it sounds like your relationship you've got a few different organizations all with different strengths mm. fundraising regeneration spot on aboriginal culture yep and not exclusively working on those things but kind of leading the charge in those areas but then also working together towards a collaborative goal like totally. that, there's no win lose there well i mean the beautiful thing is we've all got our own autonomy you know we i know why these charities don't want to work together and i'll call it out mm. you know it's because it's data mm. it's about retaining and they've you know they've got bills to pay and they've got staff to pay and all that i get it so it's rather than making a competition, as you said, you know, figure out what your strengths are and do try to collaborate and work with another organization, but don't suffocate them or put them into a cog into the machine. Mm. Work collectively. And I think this is what we're really excited about. Like We know what we're doing has some serious legs in it to showcase and share with other startups and bigger or medium size or larger organizations that go, well, yeah, well, this just makes sense. Why not? Like we're stronger together, you yeah, know. Totally. So if the, the, the rainforest is more intact, it's stronger. You know, we need to stop being our singular trees mm. and go. Let's collaborate. Let's bring this together. What it what it shows to me, Jimmy, is that your your goal is not to be, you know, the world's best fundraiser who's <laughs> got all the ego, you know, who, who gets yeah. all the kudos for saving the rainforest. No. You're measuring your success by trees saved and land saved and rainforest saved yeah. and, and the people it doesn't really together. matter how you do that you just want to find the best way to achieve that outcome totally yeah. and i mean i think you mentioned before as well it's um you know we're now part of the trillion trees initiative to reforest the world's rainforest mm. um so this came out about saying we need to plant a trillion trees to absorb the last 30 years of our carbon emissions um and we have 30 years to do that right wow um so we sort of put our hands up and said, okay, well, rainforests, we know we can, and the science behind how we plant them, you know, we can establish a rainforest for a dollar a tree mm-hmm. uh, through natural regenerative and tree planting processes. And I just feel it's such, when you're saying what, what other work could we do before, like that's a lifetime of work. Yeah. Like not one group or organization or corporate or government is going to establish a trillion trees. Mm. 
right? This is the awesome collectiveness yep. where everyone can go, yep, I get that. Cool. I can do that. You know, if I can't get to the locations, which we want to try and break that barrier because who doesn't like planting a tree? It feels awesome. Mm, yeah, yeah. Everyone loves planting. You feel good <laughs> and it's a good outcome. It's like, yes, another totally. tree in the ground, you know? Totally. Uh, and the reason we pick rainforest trees is because even here in Australia, there's less than 3% of rainforest lefts, yep. left. And it's kind of like, look, we can do this. We can show an outcome and establish canopy in three years and walk away of a deep ecology of rainforest restoration mm. rather than a monoculture of the same species as what we see with forestry. It's just appalling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about that before with the tarkine. Oh, sustainable the, timber is... Nothing sustainable. It's, yeah. around, it, it's, yep. it's appalling, right? Yep. The tar- and this is the other thing, right? Like, whatever is old growth must be left. Mm. That's, I mean, we listen to the science when it's about a pandemic, Right? Why aren't we listening to the scientists when it's about the climate crisis? And what they're saying is we must protect old growth and we've got to get on with the regen. Mm. And even our degraded forests, we need to support them as well. So, um, yeah, look, I just shake my head when I see more clearing of bushland for forestry Mm. because literally they're not creating habitat for even our koalas. It's the same species. And they just become firebombs. Yeah, you know, like and, we've and, seen this. Yeah. And I think there's a, a there's a, a it's not a miscommunication. It's a, a bit of a misdirection in that. I guess you, you mentioned the climate crisis, and if the motivation, I think we can be a bit reductionistic and go if the motivation is just if we're only talking about carbon emissions and reducing carbon, then we could plant potentially a trillion trees of monoculture, but that doesn't provide us habitat. It doesn't provide us these other. Um, you know these other amazing elements of interaction between rainforests and reef and yep. uh, microorganisms. So, yep. I, in my mind, I kind of peel it back and go, okay, well, of course, emissions and carbon is very important, but it's not the only thing we should focus on. Like, if we just focus on protecting native forests, protecting native wild places, and regenerating native wild places that have been destroyed, I think the carbon numbers will start to go away. <laughs> in yeah, some well, sense. I mean, it's. <laughs> Carbon drawdown, right? Yeah. It's yeah. it's and this is the thing. It's um sorry, I've just got um David Attenborough texting me. Oh nice. He's going yeah. off. Sorry, Dave, I'll get I'll get back to you, mate. <laughs> tell him, tell uh-huh. him I say hi. Yeah. I, I I I just um I just released a conversation with his um filmmaker, the guy that did all the Planet Earth series. Planet awesome. Earth Planet Earth Two, Seven Worlds, One Planet, Chad and Hunter. Anyone go back and listen to that conversation, it was awesome. But there's a little plug. But anyway, awesome. yeah, yeah. No, no, but I mean look, you're spot on and I think you know, like we are the second driest continent on earth. Like we're, we're all talking about carbon. Let's talk about water cycles. Mm. My gosh. Yeah. You know, let's actually fed incomely try and, you know, try, or we'll never be drought proof, but let's actually try and bring back our water cycles, which is just pl- planting trees and rainforest. Yeah. I mean, they, they sweat rain, precipitation, you know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. so that, that's the other half and part of it as well. And, you know, again, like we, we, we were talking, you know, earlier on about regenerative agriculture and all the rest of it and everyone wins from this yeah and it's again trying to break down decades of you know sorry centuries of saying yeah look you know we were proud to clear the land because this is what we did with our cattle and our sheep and all the rest of it uh you know there was a pride in cutting down the forests now we've got to now go the other way and go well no you should have pride in regenerating your land Mm. And doing this off the back end of national parks, if you're fortunate enough to have your property there, because you're reaping huge rewards. Yeah. If you've got that ecosystem or that microclimate there and those trees, well, that's more precipitation, more rain. Like mm. you're less drought proof than someone else. 
So anyway, there's, there's a lot of really awesome work. But you know, think big. I'd love to see the whole eastern seaboard. You know, where there was rainforests. You know, bringing back a green wall of rainforests. Yeah, yeah. Everyone wins. We can do it. Totes. Um, I do want to, there's one other thing I want to talk to you about and I, and I want to spend a little bit of time on this. So I'm conscious of, of moving on because you've got this whole, the, the whole half cut, save the rainforest, regenerate rainforest campaign. And there's, yep. that's that real charitable sector. Yep. Um, but another campaign that you are doing, which really particularly excites me as well, is this um, in the business sector and it's this mm. um, divestment switch campaign. Can you give us a brief summary of that? Because I think there's so much potential in this campaign as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, like anything, right? You're like, um, what's the sweet spot for campaigns? And we went, let's do three. So half cut spoke for itself, protect the other half, get half cut. We've just released that fitness challenge, mm-hmm. the PSS challenge, so push up, sit up, squats. That's now in March. Um, we only get 60K, giddy up. Yeah, nice. 100K was a target. So this is this this is um, linking kind of personal physical fitness to a cause. So you're asking people to get on board with a physical Yeah, um, we kind of thought let's, let's get then, on something where you're rewilding your own health. Yep. But let's then use those funds that you receive to rewild the earth. Cool. So it's a, re- you know. Gives people an opportunity to do something healthy as well and get yeah. involved in that way. So, Probably yeah. why David Attenborough was calling me before saying, mate, that's my word. Stop using rewild, please. <laughs> Maybe he was just letting you know he's done his his sit-ups for the day. Yeah, table, that's it. <laughs> Go, Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that fun sort of, you know, yep, uh, outcome that someone's feeling they're getting something out of it. So that's just, it's just awesome to see it's humming along as well for its first launch. But um, going back to, yeah, the triple switch, that was our third campaign. And really how that came about was reaching out to ethical businesses that we wanted to align ourselves with. So, example of that is Bank Australia and over Community Energy. They were fantastic. Um, but then all our other sort of, you know, startups and medium-sized businesses, just the generosity and engagement and, you know, really, I guess this is the thing. It's like, well, we've got supporters that are hungry for people doing good. So, let's fuel people back to these, you know, look, don't get me wrong. We're talking about the C's, right? Competitiveness, collaboration, consumerism, right? Mm. They're the three C's. And we know how appalling consumerism is. But if it's products that are, you know, trying to raise the bar or their B Corps or 1% of the planet or recycling or really, you know, doing their utmost best, it's like, well, why do we not not engage with these people and encourage people to go to other services? So ultimately, the the triple switch for Earth was an, a, is a divestment campaign. Mm. So for people who don't know what divestment is, uh, Bill McKibben from 350 and others created this to get people to divest their banks, their elec- oh, well, their banks initially, and their super um, away from, you know, supers and banks that invested heavily in fossil fuels, deforestation, animal agriculture, tobacco, and the list of nasties goes on. Right. Mm. So we, as I said, we we aligned ourselves with who we thought were really raising the bar. And I'm always open. I mean, I'm not saying I know it all. I don't. So I'm always open for people to go, hey, these are actually, these people are really good because then you're bringing in a community. Mm. And then when there's a community behind it and feeding and driving this forum, it's it's healthier. Mm. So anyway, um, yeah, it was an incredible campaign to watch off the back end of Half Cut, just how many people were divesting. So they divested their bank, their super electricity. And we kind of went, oh, that was pretty powerful. We actually had a lot of people divest. Yep. Um, and... 
it just sort of made sense. Like, sure, we can do the fun campaigns, but in 15 minutes, you know, you, they can start that process mm. to engage in divestment. And let's be honest, how many people sit at a coffee table or a dinner and go, oh, man, how's your super gun? Do you yeah. know who you're investing with? And what's, it just doesn't totally. happen, right? But I, I think there's, there's, uh, there is a push in this direction. I mean, as someone who has worked for the last five years in that B Corp, good yeah. business, conscious business space, I've seen it grow dramatically, particularly in the last 12 months. Yeah. So that, that kind of started this hockey stick growth. And we've seen it with largely led by products, kind of like eco products mm-hmm. or... Um, almost like luxury purchases, you know, like Patagonia is a classic example. They're really leading the charge there. Yeah. But now we're really starting to see people go, hang on, there are services that we all use, every single one of us use in our day-to-day lives that we never consider. Super, you mentioned before. If you don't know where your super's invested, it's probably at least partially invested in mining, fossil fuels, industrial agriculture, and a whole bunch of other destructive practices. Yep. There are organizations, super firms out there that will invest your funds in ethical, regenerative, sustainable investments. And in fact, in the last year, those funds have performed unbelievably well because they haven't been um, struck by the decline in oil prices. Yeah, it's a well decarbonizers. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Or the pandemic or, you know, it's... So they're actually a a good investment as well. And it was kind of, for me, it was led by super, but then you're right, we saw the banks follow quite quickly. Some of these ethical banks, I mean, they've been around for a long time, but they're really starting to hit the mainstream. Um, Electricity, we all purchase electricity. If you don't know where that's coming from, it's probably coming from a coal-fired gas station or a company that invests in coal seam gas, but you can switch to an electricity provider that sources and invests in decentralized community electricity. Yep. But it doesn't stop there. I, I recently swapped my phone over from Telstra, who I don't know if anyone has enjoyed Telstra's customer service before, mm. to a company called Goodtel, who invest half their profits into a charity of your choosing. So there, are, And it's the same goes for insurance providers. There are B Corp insurance providers that donate a portion of unclaimed premiums. There are ethical event booking platforms. So I find this your campaign in particular, I think you're hitting a sweet spot. And if yeah. you can be a bit of a directory or a go-to for people to sign up and go bang, 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 bang. Totally. Holy shit, that can have a huge impact. Yeah, and look, that's ultimately where we're now driving this uh, sort of incredible, because this is what's happened now. We've had so many businesses reach out to us now. And so we want to work with you because not only it makes sense, we're reaching out to a hungry target audience, but we're also going to give back to you guys to get on with the Daintree buyback Mm, or to get on with the tree planting. So we're now in an incredible position where we can not only do that, but we're going to help and support these incredible businesses uh, to go carbon neutral and possibly carbon negative. But then the next step, bring in the water cycle element. So, Mm. you know, think big. We've only got everything to lose, right? (laughs) Yeah. So for me, I'd love to change the whole narrative. And yeah, sure, we I think most people in our worlds understand carbon neutral and carbon negative. But I want to help businesses potentially go water negative, water Mm. positive through a deep ecology of rainforest restoration. So I kind of feel there is just so many circulating benefits out of this. Um, And look, sure, I mean, like I've just gone through it where, you know, um, you shouldn't be engaging in any corporates or you shouldn't be engaging with any businesses, but that's just not life at the moment. Mm. You know, as the saying goes, perfect is the enemy of the good. You know, unfortunately, you know, I mean, I'm personally not a big consumer and I try to, I'm minimalism, I tell I try to live right. Mm. Um, But uh, good luck, stop. it's like the new religion consumerism, right? Good good luck stopping that. So it's like, well, if if people are going to continue to do this, 
and that is the mainstream, how do we bring them on board where they can feel that they are doing something positive from their purchase and it is less of an impact than something else? So um, it's, yeah, it is truly exciting to see where this will go. Um, And I can't encourage, I mean, I will say this, like, of course, we'd love to have your business Mm. reach out. um, Mm. I think I think you'll have tons of businesses. Like I've listed a few there. I mean, and there's there's so many more. And there's 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 products, but there's there's these services and and the all these products that are not seen as a luxury purchase, but like a basic item. Like for example, who wouldn't buy who gives a crap toilet paper after mm. learning about them? Because mm. everyone uses toilet paper. I hope so. <laughs> uh, well, we saw that in the pandemic, didn't we? Um, <laughs> That's right. But but the exciting thing is that these business once people know the story behind them. They've kind of switched for life. You know, they're really yeah. engaged with it. And the employees employees want to, people want to work for these kind of businesses that have some sort of ethical... So totally. And then what business doesn't want to then grow. say, oh, hey, we're aligned with Half Cut mm. and their philosophy and our philosophy and our ethos is tree shyness and on the same level. Hey, let's go and plant these trees or let's go and see the properties mm. and do our personal development you know, or volunteer time either in Byron, Atherton Tablelands or the Daintree mm. where that's where we're hoping to plant a million trees in the next three years. Yeah, wow. So this is where, you know, as I was saying before, it's, it is all about being hands-on and getting with the community and, you know, just not being a keyboard warrior, like really ensuring people feel that connectivity because I just feel, you know, we're, we've seen that in the pandemic how isolated we can all be and, of course, that's not good for health and mental health and all mm. the rest of it and um you know the idea of bringing people all together and feeling absolutely connected is i think pretty special these days i think it's hard to do yeah it's hard to bring people together these days and yeah um well it was a divisive community we put up walls we right. we put up fences we sit in our box you know and and we don't have these public connection spaces. So anything that can connect people, whether it's online or whether it's in person or to a cause or whatever it is, I think is is only going to continue to grow in the future as people seek more of that community connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I guess the one other thing I wanted to ask you is um, <laughs> we've seen a few a few people take on a bit of a persona before for for and and even particularly for environmental campaigns you know like i'm friends with plastic free mermaid and we see people like the environmental cowboy and it's jimmy Halfcut. at what point i mean i know you said you you kind of lost a bet in a way or you <laughs> raised enough funds at what point do you first of all have you got to the point where you've delineated between jimmy Halfcut and james or are, you, are those two identities oh. still merged and it, what happens when eventually you do cut the beard uh, you know what's what goes from there yeah i mean mate it's a good question um <laughs> look i i, I know i get the giggle sometimes because just to go and get an avocado at the shops can be an hour process these days right mm, <laughs> mm. just from having half a beard but i don't know like it's mate i kind of feel we're so we just don't chat too often openly with people these days and mm. i just know this is a perfect icebreaker yeah for those who are willing to come and have a chat and for better or worse, like people are like, mate, you know it's for life. You can't get rid of this. You know, <laughs> this is you're all in or nothing now. Like, so I mean, look, you know, my my better half, Jess, but she's also the co-founder, and you know, she's gone through her struggles and hardship as well. Um, you know, with her, you know, and, and honestly, how half cut even came about a bit, you know, um, from her accident where she got hit with a sports discus while teaching, and um, wow, 
Yeah, nearly, nearly bloody killed her. So that was, yeah, it's, uh, seven years ago. And um, we, we, we've got an emotional connection, I think, now. It's beyond like even being a persona. Like, sure, I'll, I'll run with the Jimmy Halfcut, but I'm still a James yep. or a Jim Bob or a Jimmy or a Kookaburra or whatever, right? <laughs> like, um, yeah. It just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a calling now, I think. I've just ultimately become who I am and w- what I want to do for the rest of my life. And if it knows, if I know I'm supporting rainforests, traditional owners, wildlife, and healing. Mm. I'm all in and um, I think that was the other part of you know briefly touching on my partner and it's like I guess it's like naturally a sensitive topic that she had this horrendous accident but she had to um, start her speech all over again braiding was actually um, her way of using fine motor skills again Mm. so this was when you were doing beards on she was doing braids yeah 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 and you know it's I mean mate like that's seven years of slog what we went through yeah and I don't. Most people don't know this, and I don't know why. I'm, oh yeah, <laughs> it, look, it is what it is, and I think it's a it's a bit of storytelling for people to understand that, you know, half cut as I was saying to you before evolved. It mm. came from a traumatic accident, as well as a a, a mental and physical um, representation of what's going on on Earth with all those halves. Like I yeah. don't know, it just sort of felt like all the things aligned, and um, if anything, it's it's given both of us a space of release and an outlet for good you know mm. we're able to use that really painful times and negativity and stresses beyond right like mm. you know um still in legal battles and wow. still you know work cover like you get hurt in the workplace it just should be covered right mm. not the case so um no i think look you know as i said like you know we're all on in life journey sort of stuff this definitely has been a journey and if anything, half cut and developing and making us has brought us out in a better place and a happier place. Yeah. And a place where we're like, and I think that was the end thing that it was knowing we're doing it for nature, you know, and it was beyond us. It's bigger than us. Yeah. So, um, and of course it's bigger than us. It's always bigger than all of us. Right. But, um, just kind of cool to know that, you know, we can just keep doing what we're passionate about now. And yeah, it shows that it's not just, Here's a campaign that we can, that yeah, it's not some is, marketing. It has stunt. a bit of a cause, Mar- yeah, exactly. It's not a marketing like a, stunt oh, yeah. where yeah, and it's, it's gone cool to some be good and we now. can feel good about it. It yeah. shows that you've gone through that pain of understanding the plight of the rainforests and our co- conservation is- issues with our world, and also mm. personally, you guys have gone through um, those personal challenges that have had a direct connection to this campaign as well. Yeah. And I think when people learn about that. It's so much more impactful, you know. It's it, it strikes on a deeper chord, and coming mm. back to that connection, mm. that's what people want when they hear those stories. They go, "Okay, wow, these are actually just really genuine people that are genuinely trying mm. to do the right thing." And to hear that it's it's so deeply ingrained in you guys is um is is really lovely to well, hear. Well, I mean, uh, just an example was when we were tree planting in the Dane Tree. Jess's, you know, like she was still in pain. Like it's ongoing daily, right? Mm. And um, there was just a sense of like, uh, uh, she would say, I feel like a little bit of a fogginess or a bit of a clearness has come about. And so it just shows being in nature is healing. Like the Mm. science has shown that. Yet look at us. We're, well, a bit different here. We're in Byron, but usually (laughs) I'm in a concrete jungle in Shitney, Sydney. Yeah. Um, But you know what I mean? So I'm just saying like, we know nature is healing and we know there's medicines yet to be discovered in the rainforests. Totally. Like we have used, 
75% of all modern medicines come from rainforest and we've utilized 1%. Wow. What is wrong with us? Wow. So while we're destroying what could be the yep. solutions to cancer, mental health, you know, Alzheimer's, the list goes on, right? Yeah. So for me, it's a no-brainer. It's just you look at it and go, well, like, and again, as I said, why isn't that mainstream media and news? Mm-hmm. Why isn't, you know, because it's not in their interests. Yep. Because clearing it for animal agriculture is in their interests where 80% of all the world's forests have been destroyed to animal agriculture. <laughs> so we, 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 by the way I look at it, we are literally eating ourselves and our planet to death. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's scary. But I, I don't know. Hopefully, as more and more people hear about these, these stories and these campaigns, there, clearly yeah. it, there is, it takes a while to maybe snap the general population out of it. But as you would have seen, when you do strike that chord and get that story right, amazing things can happen. Yeah. And... I know it's it's it. I'm well, excited. Thing, right? yeah. I'm excited for your organisation and to see where you guys go with this. And I mean, you've done the, you've you've got the charitable campaigns. You've got the if I can make you've got the business kind of divestment campaign. If I can make one recommendation, there's one sphere you, sphere you haven't entered yet, which is the political realm. <laughs> Perhaps you could start a half cut party. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, this is the thing, right? Meet us halfway. Could you imagine how many people could come? I mean, yeah. half cut party. I don't know, you might get a few bogan votes as well. It sounds like <laughs> the type of thing I used to do in my twenties. Oh, genius! Um, oh, look, you know why you not? Go. We only live once. Might as well have a bit of fun with it, eh? You know. <laughs> and I think that's the thing, man. I think when we come back to this, is we're able to have a laugh about it all. Mm. You know, like well, of course it's not great, but look, you know, I think that's, if we can keep that humour coming in with it, yeah, it, it's it's people like naturally to be around positive, uplifting, with a good outcome based thing. So. Yeah, I know that you know, I've gone a bit deep in a few things there, but you know, at the end of the day, we're laughing's medicine as well, eh? Totally, so. just like the kookaburra. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. Uh, yeah. right. Well, uh, mate, I've, I've, I'll say this so I've, I've been noticing you can you can grow a fine beard, and you got a good oh, yeah. stash there at the moment, I'll give, mate. I'll give it a crack this year for sure. August thirty first, yep. mate. I'm nominating you. All right, I'm we'll in. do it together. I'm in. I'll get the, the I get a bit of a, a nice ginger tinge to my beard, so I'll bring that out. <laughs> We well, haven't got any dye back in there, which is good. You Not got yet. no whites yet. You're looking yet. good, mate. Yeah, let's <laughs> see. Um, Jimmy, I just want to say thanks uh, for your time today. It's awesome to catch up and have this chat. But Pleasure, mate. on a on a bigger level, thank you so much for what you're doing. You know, hearing your story and your plight and your campaign and everything that you guys are working towards um, is is really wonderful. And I'm just so happy that there are people like you and your partner out there doing this sort of work. Oh, so mate, right you. back at you. And um, I'll just quickly do a shout out to say. If you want to work with us in any capacity, like, don't think we're some massive, like, we're a team of four and a half people. So if <laughs> Everything's you want, in halves with you. Yeah. Four and a half. <laughs> so it's true. I never thought of it that way. Um, uh, yeah, but we literally are a four and a half team. Yep. So yep. we'd like to make it five or six or ten team cool. and a half. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk. I have, an, I have a couple ideas. But, um, yeah, thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, real pleasure, James. Cheers, mate. Cheers, man. That was good. Good. Yeah.